0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut! Yow!
1: Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap for this week's Palmetto Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Ducharme. Greg, good
2: to have you, bud. Hey, good to be here, Rick. Uh, I'm I'm excited. Palmetto Championship. We saw Congaree one round underway. Uh, All good stuff. And we have, of course, um, after this weekend, we have the U.S. Open to look forward to. So uh, exciting times in the game.
1: As we record right now, the vast majority of the players are done, the afternoon wave finishing up, so I will make note of any guys who are currently out on the course, but let's talk about the course, Greg. We were just kind of going back and forth uh, before we went hot, and I, I, I'm enjoying it. You know, maybe the afternoon wave didn't enjoy it because the course, course played much more difficult in the afternoon. You could see it firming, you could kind of see it getting much faster, but I think that is, uh, you know, the real storyline this week so far has been this
2: course yeah a unique piece of property it's unlike anything else that we see on the pga tour um and it's a a cha- I would say the challenge of the course is something that they do see on tour, but not every week. So it is it is pretty cool to watch and you could really see, as you pointed out before the show, Rick, how um, how much the course changed throughout the day. So I would expect tomorrow morning, I would expect the course to be softer than it is this afternoon, but not as soft as it was this morning. So I think the morning wave on Thursday got the biggest advantage um, and, and you'll see the course firm up maybe even more than it did today, tomorrow. They're expecting some winds, gusts up to 22 miles an hour or so, which is pretty high. So when you get wind and sun and 92, 95 degree heat, like they're expecting tomorrow, uh, it, c- it can get firm fast on those sandy conditions.
1: Yeah. To put numbers to it, the morning wave uh, played about a half a stroke over par the afternoon wave about 1.25 strokes over par. So three quarters of a stroke is a pretty significant difference from morning to afternoon. And I think uh producer Jacob pointed out uh, the observation that I had, Greg, which is these guys are in the middle of the fairway. They're taking divots. And sand is exploding from these divots. This, this, this place is like entirely sand.
2: Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you look at the, the native areas around the Gulf that are not in the fairway and it's all sand. So what's, what, what's underneath the grass, uh, sand. And sand so hitting. that's what you're yeah, that's what you're gonna get. But sand creates um a great plain surface. It really does because it drains really well. Um and you think about like low country South Carolina, where I went to college, it was not sandy at all, and it would get very swampy. You'd get plugged balls, and even when it get kind of hot and humid, it would never really firm up. The course never would get firm. Um, and I, I think it's really fun to see a, a sand based course like this because it does get so firm, because the ball does roll on the ground. To give you an idea, Rick, like the when I was down at Medalist, every week they top dressed, they top mm-hmm. dressed the greens every Monday, and the purpose for that was so that um, they could. maintain the firmness even in humid conditions at times so sand is a a great way to get a golf course to be firm golf course like this sand um, the other thing is too when you're filling divots in florida very common you just put sand in them and the sand it soaks up the heat even a little bit more and that is how the grass regrows there's no there's no um in many of the courses in florida it's not like there's grass seed in there they just put sand down and it attracts a little bit extra heat so that will make uh that will make the course even firmer when you all you have underneath the grass is sand like that
1: Let's assess this leaderboard. There are currently three golfers in the clubhouse at six under 65. Two of them went out this morning. Let's talk about those guys. And I'm very tempted to dismiss the number one player in the world and talk about my buddy, Doc Redman, who is currently atop the leaderboard. But we'll we'll start with DJ. He has the honor here. Number one player six under 65, Greg, in which he made six birdies. He had zero bogeys. He drove the ball like DJ, he putted the ball. It looked like he was in uh, a fairly c- complete control of his game on this Thursday morning.
2: Yes, um, complete control, which is very nice to see. Kind of a patient start. Watching that leaderboard, he making par after par after par, and you're thinking, is this is DJ going to struggle with the putter again? Is this just and? I'm not sure if he struggled with the putter, but it wasn't like he got hot with the putter. He just got hot with his ball striking. He just started to hit it close time and time again. And this is the mark of a of a world number one kind of a talent when you can be just when when you can make 66 feet of putts in a day and yeah. shoot six under. And it, it doesn't feel like you got everything out of the round. That's the mark of a guy who can carry on. So in the model, looking forward, projecting this out to uh, for the remainder of the week, and you could argue even into U.S. Open, uh, this is the guy. This is the model. Impressive stuff from DJ.
1: I'm wondering if those U.S. Open numbers have moved yet. I uh, might have to check out what DJ's U.S. Open number is. I think he was 14 when we talked about it on... Tuesday, maybe? Does that sound right? 14-1? Uh, yeah, it does. I'd have to go um, check. But I think that's what he was last time we talked about it. Yeah, we got to look into that cuz you might want to make a move quickly here before. Yeah, well, I mean I, our, yeah. our our friends at Data Golf have Dustin Johnson winning this golf tournament 25% of the time. That's a lot for there's three yeah. or four or five guys at 6 under already and we're one round in. That yeah. is a huge number. The other thing and and this illustrates your your point Greg. Dustin Johnson had a seven-hole stretch on Thursday where he did not have a birdie putt outside of 12 feet. When you are putting on every hole from inside of 12 feet, you are doing something right. And he gave us a classic DJ quote afterwards. He said, and I quote, I don't know. I just hit shots wherever it goes. It goes. That's DJ. There's (laughs) such a beauty to
2: that. Um, Look, DJ DJ. In the media, I do think uh, he gives off a little bit of a... um, He portrays something that isn't 100% true, but there's a lot of truth in that. And it's that kind of... Caveman golf like approach that allows him to be so resilient. It allows him to flip the switch, as we say, and go from a guy who looks like he's in struggling form to a guy that looks like the number one player in the world overnight. Um, at least it's overnight through our eyes. Um, so it, it is amazing. There's a beauty to it. Um, and that simple approach, I think, also makes it really easy to repeat, um, to play a great round after a, another great round. It allows him to play very well in difficult conditions. Um, so There's so many things that are very uh, positive that a a mental coach would 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 try to get you to do as a player. And Dustin Johnson does those things so well and has for uh,
1: has forever. William Hill has Dustin Johnson at 16-1 to to win the U.S. Open. That number will not stay there, especially if he continues on this trajectory this week. The other man who shot a 65 this morning, my buddy Doc Redman, and he did it with birdies at 12, 13, 15, 16. Doc has been slowly starting to turn the corner. This The, the beginning of 2021 was not the start of the year that he wanted, but I do wonder, Greg, and we kind of uh, mentioned this earlier in the week, this is an opportunity for a lot of guys in this field to just be licking their chops an opportunity to take advantage of a weaker field before a a major championship where they still hand out 500 fedex cup points they still hand out jobs they still hand out 1.3 million dollars to the winner and all of these guys not named dustin johnson near the top of the leaderboard are certainly eyeing those things this week
2: Yes. And it's so um, it's so easy to look at this and say, DJ's the best player in the world. He's going to go and win this tournament. You start looking at some scoring averages between the best player in the world, the 150th best player in the world, and it's such a small margin. It's mm-hmm. such a fine line. We talk about how the line is blurred between a Corn ferry Tour player and a PGA Tour player. Well, an upper echelon PGA Tour player and a regular PGA Tour player, that line is blurred as well, especially when you shrink the sample size. The the small into one round into four rounds, one tournament, um, it it can be really hard to differentiate between players. The long over time, you stretch that out over time, we really get a good idea of who the best players are. And that's why the official World Golf rankings go on a two year cycle. Um, But you look at Doc Redman, your friend, uh, he actually, believe it or not, Rick, came on a new breed of golf yesterday morning and oh, he, so, he got the
1: new breed of golf bump.
2: Yes, he did. Um, and, you know, when you do that, when you come on the first cut, when you come on a new breed of golf, anything like that, you're bound to play well. So I, I keep your eyes open in the betting markets and you see one of those guys as a guest and you, you bet him hard. But Rick, he gave me something really interesting. I, I think you'll find this interesting. He said in this slump that he was in, he kind of started to try to get a little more distance. He tried to hit up on the ball a little bit more with mm-hmm. the driver and he kind of of got away from his own game, which is one of the best ball strikers in the, in the game, one of the best ball strikers in the world. And I look at what he did today and he hit all 14 fairways. Yes. His driving distance is tied 123rd. Um, And, and this to me, he hit, he hit um, 13 of 18 green. The ball striking kind of came back today. Um, And, and that's a sign of a guy who's going back to his own identity. He was kind of teeing it up a little bit lower, hitting a go-to fade, getting the ball and play off the tee. And that's where he succeeds. Um, And it's clear that today that that was the
1: recipe. He would not be the first or the last guy to mess up their swing by chasing distance. Just ask right, Roy yeah. McElroy about right. that longest guy in the game. Roy McElroy trying to chase distance. Yeah. Um, the other guy's at six under. So Chesson Hadley is in the clubhouse. He just finished his round. He had a great quote afterwards. He's missed five cuts in a row. He had mentioned that he's been bleeding strokes off of the tee uh, in position, of course, to make the cut this week, barring something crazy happening on Friday. EVR, Eric Fun Royan, uh, six under with a hole to play. He's playing his final hole of the day in West Roach. Also at six under, he has a handful of holes to play. So again, uh, these are not household names, Greg. I mean, West Roach, for example, he doesn't even have enough rounds to qualify for stats this year, if he did in strokes game, totally be about 185th. But these are guys that uh, have a lot to play for this week, and and they're certainly not going to uh, just roll over on this leaderboard.
2: No, no, uh, um, and the guys too at the top. I also notice uh, Chris Baker, a sea special, so oh, he's right. down there too. Um, we talked about him a little bit on Monday. So, but anyway, the thing that I love about these tournaments, you see just how good these players really are and there are so many of them that are really good and even if you're a chess and hadley and you've missed five cuts in a row you're you're still capable of shooting 66 and you're still capable of winning on the pga tour so the the way the tour works the model the way that you can earn a tour card in um in one week is a really cool thing uh, I, and i love watching that story the other thing rick is these guys near the top of the leaderboard they've taken a lot of pressure off of themselves they do have to go out and play well tomorrow again to contend mm-hmm. but if you're like Brooks Kepka and you're gonna go shoot over par on one day if yeah. your bad round is the first round it puts you you now have to go out and play great on Friday where these guys in the top 10 um, and even a little bit further down the board I'd say the the three unders are included in that um, they they have a, a sense where they can play the right shot at the right time. They don't have to press at all tomorrow and it's a big advantage. So um, I give a lot of props. I give a lot of lean to the guys that played really
1: well today um, going forward in the week. Speaking of Brooks Koepka, um, because you brought him up here, he did not. Sh- so one over par, he is currently one shot off the, what would be the current cut line that is obviously going to change over the course of the next 24 hours, but he gained over two strokes from tee to green. He gained off the tee. He gained on approach. He bled strokes on the green, Greg, uh, two and a half down on the wrong side there with the flat stick, which has been at times the one thing that has held him back.
2: Yeah, and he missed a couple of short putts today, and it gets you frustrated when you hit the ball pretty nicely and you're putting the ball in play off the tee and you're giving yourself scoring opportunities and you just can't take advantage of anything. So the short game, he, he bled a little bit in the short game as well, uh, leading to a couple of bogeys. He made a double bogey, which w- mm-hmm. with all the clean cards out there, today was not the day for that. Um, so, Rick, I, I think it's a little bit disappointing. He's definitely behind the eight ball, but the good sign is that he's strikes the ball nicely and Brooks Kepka can he can get hot he can handle the pressure of hey I got to go out and play great tomorrow he can handle that and going out tomorrow morning I think will be a big advantage um he can make a cut it's a good sign when you see his golf ball fading that's the thing that I'll be watching for the rest of the week I, I don't think at one over I really I don't know if you can win at this point you may be too far back to win already which is crazy to think um but What Brooks can do is give himself a lot of confidence heading into uh, next
1: week, which, hey, those are the only events he cares about. So (laughs) that's what I've heard. Okay, well, we're going to try to find out who can win this golf tournament after 18 holes, because that won't make
0: us look silly at all. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? And we're back pulling up
1: the odds at William Hill, Greg. It should be absolutely no surprise that the number one player in the world who is currently at the moment we are speaking tied atop the leaderboard is your heavy favorite. He is plus 225. The next closest or the next shortest odds, EVR and Harris English are both 12 to 1. Doc Redman at 16 and Johnny Vegas at 18. Not a lot of established winners, certainly behind DJ and you know what the scary part is about Dustin Johnson for the rest of the field, Greg? Um, not only did he play great in every single category, he played the f- the three par fives, even par. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Is he just going <laughs> to, is he just going to torch this thing? Uh, I, I, I don't know if he's
2: going to just torch it. I, I do think he's going to win. I, I really do. Um, it, it. Um, I, I don't know, Rick, it's hard for me to put words to it. Cause I think this is kind of important to him. I think he's tired of playing poorly. Uh, and, and so there may be a little bit more focus with the U S open coming up. A lot of attention has been drawn elsewhere. Not the, not that DJ's looking for attention, but guys have been getting too close to that world number one spot for him. So mm-hmm. maybe he's a little bit more motivated right now. Maybe he's found something on the greens, but I mean, two, what is that? Two, is that two and a quarter to one? Plus 225, two and a quarter to one after one round
1: is, um, that that is, those are short odds. I don't know. (laughs) It might be worth it. I mean, they're very short, right? It's the number one player in the world. He's he's atop the leaderboard, but there are a lot of guys. I, I mean, this is one of the things where, you know, if DJ goes out and does DJ things or he just shoots, you know, has his B-minus game for the rest of the week, is that good enough to win? Or can one of these guys, can a West Roach have a ceiling week? Can a Doc Redman have a ceiling week? You know, three more rounds of this. Doc is 16 to one. You go a little bit further down the board, Tommy Fleetwood, who uh, still yet to win here in the States. He's three shots off the lead as we speak he's 22 to 1. So, I guess the good news Greg is if you just want to fade the Dustin Johnson victory, you're getting great odds on everybody else because William Hill has has essentially said, DJ's winning this thing. Right.
2: And there's a there's such a real possibility that he doesn't win clearly. Um I mean, if Dustin Johnson has a couple of pedestrian rounds, if he if he hits the ball just the way he did today for the next 3 days and puts just okay, he might not win. I mean, you're going to have to make birdies. You're going to have to shoot some scores out here to win. Uh, another guy I'm looking at, Ian Poulter at 28-1, to 1, is a guy who's hitting the ball much better. At the Charles Schwab Challenge last week, he had his best ball-striking performance of the year um, with his irons off the tee, tee to green. It wasn't his yeah. best off the tee, but it was his best— Uh, approaching the green. It was his best tee to green and he's a great putter with great short game. So conditions get a little tougher. Uh, I think that could benefit Ian Poulter and he's playing for a lot. He's playing for a spot on the European Ryder cup team. So it's an important year for him. You know, he's motivated Harris English, another guy that I think could, could really make a charge. Um, And, and, it, you don't know. It's so deep right now. There are a lot of guys DJ is going to have to play well in order to win. And it sounds so silly, but you look at those odds and it, it doesn't really indicate that. Um, yeah. And I, I still think it's going to be a challenge for him to win, even though I do think he will.
1: I'm glad you brought up Poulter. He's 28 to one. Uh, he stole a stroke out there. I think he made like a 50 foot putt from just off the green, but he only gained a half a stroke putting and he was phenomenal from T to green. 3.44 yeah. on the positive side from T to green. If Poulter does that, that's the scary stuff, right? He's usually so reliant on the short game. If he's at all a positive gainer on approach and off the tee, I think he can contend. He uh, he's, he's that type of short game talent.
2: Yeah, I got him at, would you you had him at what three four four, yes. Uh, so I think Might that's seventeenth. I, I think that's seventeenth yeah. in the field, tee to green. When he's positive to your point, Rick, and it's not all short game based. Um, it's a really good sign. And I th- I think he's extremely motivated to win. Remember what he did in the Houston Open, his only PGA Tour win, but mm-hmm. it was with his back against the wall to get into Masters and he wins when he has to. And so this is a guy who I think plays really well with his back against the wall. And I think he feels a little bit of that with the Ryder Cup looming this year. There's that extra focus, that extra drive. It puts a little bit of the extra pressure that Poulter seems to need to to thrive. And I think he's going to do it for the rest of the way.
1: All right, I think I'm going to put in a doc bet and a polter bet tonight. I, I think those Yeah, I, I, I really like a good. doc
2: bet too. I, I do yeah. i think he's um confident i think he's comfortable here he's a he's he went to Clemson he's comfortable yeah. in this kind of heat this kind of conditions um and i think he's getting back to the the statistics from today tell me one thing what he told me in 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 an interview tells me the exact same thing and when those two things align it's a good sign so i, I think he's riding on um on some real confidence with the ball striking
1: i love it would get him into tory too if he uh if he went out and won it so there you go. We'll yeah. see. There you go. All right. That'll do it. Um, we will be back after round two, round three, and round four to cover the rest of the Palmetto Championship. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there. That's Greg Ducharm. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time.